Good morning, family. Happy Easter. It's wonderful. What a privilege it is for us to celebrate the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is alive. And he is the lamb that has conquered it all. It's, and it's such a privilege for me to speak on, on this day. Um, if you've been part of Riverside Lisbon for some time now, usually it's Gabby that preaches on Resurrection Sunday because it's her favorite time of the year to preach. But this year, I get to have this privilege of speaking on this very, very special day to us all. We're also finishing a, a message series uh, called Lent, based on Lent. We have walked through this pathway to prepare us for this day, for this specific time. And together we have fasted. We have fasted on food. We fasted on social media, entertainment. We've exercised discipline over our physical needs and desires. And I don't know how was your experience with Lent so far, um, but I pray that it might have impacted your life and your walk with the Lord in some way. And, and who knows, maybe doing again in the future, maybe taking fasting into your daily walk with the Lord, who knows, as a way to help you grow spiritually. Because sometimes it's good to break from routine. It's good to go into the wilderness ourselves a little bit. Uh, and we don't do this in order to uh, just please God or to earn anything from God, but to empty ourselves from things that are not so important in order for us to fill ourselves with things that are much more important, things from the Word of God, things from the Gospel. And as several of you know, I have been a Christ follower for um, most part of my life. And because of that, I've participated in many, many Easter celebrations at church throughout the years. I've, ever since I was a child, I read poems, I acted in plays, I sang in musicals, I did multimedia, I, I did sound and worship, you name it. Anything that can be done at church, I believe that I've done it. So the Easter story, the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, was always very familiar to me. And I think it gotten to the point of becoming too familiar. I think I was around 16 or 17 when the, the fact of the story, the true meaning of the story really sinked in. Understanding what happened to Jesus was brutal. This past Friday in our Good Friday service, Pedro, he, he shared the word and he even used this expression, the horror of the cross. And if we had been at the cross, you would probably would have screamed, vomited, or fainted. It was terrible to watch seeing someone being tortured, pierced through hands and feet, being hanged on a cross with the full weight of his body tearing his flesh. It was unbearable to watch. It's impossible for us to imagine being in, that, in his place. But in spite of all that horror... John, one of Jesus' disciples, he remained close to him on the cross. And John witnessed in John 19, verse 28. Knowing that everything was now completed and that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Then after he was given a drink, he shouted, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. First notice this, Jesus did not say, I am finished. 
Jesus said, it is finished. It is done. It is completed. Also, notice that Jesus didn't just announce it. He shouted it. It wasn't a cry of defeat at the cross, but it was a cry of victory. It is finished. And lastly, it wasn't a cry of someone being killed. Jesus wasn't a martyr. A martyr is someone who dies for what they believe. But Jesus is a savior, and the savior dies in someone else's place. Jesus isn't a martyr because he willingly gave his life to be the savior of all mankind. The cross is not just something that happened to Jesus. Jesus volunteered for this. He chose it. He chose the cross. The cross wasn't forced on him by any man. He said in John 10, 18, no one takes my life away from me. I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up and I have the right to take it back. This is what my father has commanded me to do. So Jesus wasn't trapped in an unwanted situation. Herod and Pilate and the mobs and the religious leaders and the soldiers, they were not in charge in that moment. They were just players in this story, in this event. The cross was God's plan and Jesus' choice. And these words, it is finished, are probably the most important words that have ever been said on the face of the earth. It is finished. These three words are probably the most important words in your life and in my life. If Jesus did not say, it is finished, we would have no hope for the future. We would have no solution for our problems. We would have no peace in our hearts, no place in heaven, no power and pardon for our sins. If Jesus had not said, it is finished. If you get why Jesus said, it is finished... You get Christianity. If you understand why Jesus said it is finished, you understand why so many of us had decided to believe and trust Jesus with our lives. The irony of these words is that I think everyone that was at that place when Jesus was crucified didn't get the meaning of what Jesus said. They weren't able to understand I think the soldiers thought this radical, this revolutionary leader is finished. Pilate thought this religious threat over my kingdom, over my empire is finished. Even the religious leaders, they thought the competition is finished. The disciples thought the dream is finished. Jesus is dead. Even Satan thought, I want I've killed the Son of God. Evil one, victory is mine. I'm king of the universe. So what did Jesus, the Son of God, actually finish? What did his death on the cross accomplish? And the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is the cross proves once and for all that God loves us. The cross proves once and for all, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves us. Jesus chose the cross because he loves us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The greatest suffering 
in the service of the greatest love for the least deserving. Pedro on Friday, he also said that the cross sets the ground for the most magnificent act of love that ever happened. There is no greater love than this, of someone giving his life to save others. And Jesus did this for us, for all eternity. So if you don't know what love is, if you have a, a hard time understanding how can God possibly love me, and maybe up until this point you haven't been able to see his love, you haven't been able to, to, to feel his love in your heart, to see it on, on your day to day. The fact is when we look at the cross, God has showed you how much he loves you. God has already revealed how much he cares for you. There is no greater love than this, than someone willingly dying in your place. The cross provides also once and for all the way for us to be saved. Isaiah 53 says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see, without God, without his love, we are lost. Completely lost. Lost like sheep that have strayed away. And Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And sometimes we have a hard time to admit that we are lost. Especially when we're driving. I don't know what kind of driver you are. But when you have the steering wheel in your hand, you want to show others that you, you got it. You have it under control. You know what you are doing. And you don't want to admit when you have messed up. So you try to figure out things on your own. You try to find the right road. You want to find the right way to get where you want to go. But things tend to only and only get worse. We don't like to admit that we've done wrong. But you see, the Bible says straight away, we've all straight away. In his love, God has provided the way for you to be found, the way for me to be found. And the only way that you can be found is through Jesus Christ, his son. Through the cross, God opened the door of redemption for all mankind. Colossians 2.14 says, God wiped out the charges and canceled the record of all the times We've disobeyed God's commandments. Jesus took our guilt on his own body and nailed it on the cross. I know that it sounds madness. I know that it sounds crazy. But this is what love is capable of doing. Jesus saw and God saw there is no way for you and me to be found. There is no way for you and me to be saved other than through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He provided a way for you and I to be forgiven once and for all. For the power of sin to be completely and utterly destroyed. And the message of the cross is this. Jesus paid the penalty for death when he chose to die on our behalf. He took our place. He died the death that it should have been us. He's the ultimate sacrifice. And no one else could have died in your place because Jesus is perfect. We just sang the lamb 
of God. Jesus is the lamb because in the Old Testament, the lamb would be sacrificed in our place for our sins. But those lambs, those animals didn't do anything wrong. Those lambs weren't capable of sinning in the first place. Jesus is the perfect lamb of God because he was 100% men and he never sinned. And he took the cross on my behalf and in your behalf because he shed his blood. We no longer have to spend eternity away from God, away from his goodness, because Jesus took upon himself the ultimate sacrifice for the undeserving. And the undeserving means you, and it means me. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a choice to be made. There is a choice that you need to make with your life today in order to receive the forgiveness, in order to receive the freedom from sin that only Jesus can offer. He is mighty to save you. He is powerful to, to hold you. And this is more than just knowing the facts. You need to confess. This needs to be true inside your heart, inside your mind. You need to declare it with your mouth that you believe in Jesus and that you wanted this salvation. With Jesus, God has promised us the best that you can never receive in your lifetime. You can receive God and His goodness on the daily basis and forevermore. He came to seek and to save all that were lost. And He still can if you decide to come to Him. Now, none of this would matter if Jesus had remained dead. None of this would matter if Jesus was still in the grave. A dead Savior is no Savior at all. But three days later, when some of the women went to take care of Jesus' body early on Sunday, they saw an angel in an empty grave. And the Bible says, Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid. He said, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said, would happen. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I want you to meditate on this. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything for you and changes everything for, for me. In the remaining time of this message, I want to share with you four ways Jesus' resurrection changes everything. And if they haven't changed your life so far, I pray and I hope that your life will be changed by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And in the first place, the resurrection confirms the promise of salvation and eternal life. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was handed over to die for our sins, and he was raised from death to make us right with God. This means that the power of the resurrection, only the power of the resurrection, confirms the promise of salvation. If Jesus was dead, nothing would matter. It would make no sense whatsoever for us being here. 
Jesus, because he rose again from the dead, because he is able to make us right with God, he is the only one that can promise eternal life. Because he died, but he rose again. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus declares this, and this is a very powerful statement. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. As Christians, we know this truth. Death will not have the final say. Death is not the end of the story. That is why we are people of hope. Even though Jesus died, even though it was a terrible torture and everything that happened to him, we have no reason apparently to be happy about it. But we are people of life because Jesus defeated the power of the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, and, and he says something that I think he, when he wrote it, he was singing it. He said, where death is your victory? Where death is your power to hurt? And this morning, God wants us all to sing about this victory. God wants us to boast about the victory of the cross, the victory of the empty grave, where death is your sting, where death is your victory, where death is the final say. No, God reigns. Jesus has conquered it all. Where is the power of sin? Where is the power of, of illness? Where is the power of anything that is trying to defeat you, that is making you feel defeated right now? Where is that power? Death gets its power to hurt from sin, and sin gets its power from the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is yours. The victory is mine because we serve and live for a Savior that is alive. No one else, no religion, no philosophy book, no one else can offer to us what Jesus can. Through the, his resurrection, Jesus confirms the promise of salvation. There is life now. And there is life in the future, even after death. Secondly, the resurrection proves that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Romans 1.4 says, And Jesus Christ our Lord was shown to be the Son of God. Jesus Christ was shown to be the Son of God when God powerfully raised him from the dead by means of the Holy Spirit. And this is a fact, even if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, even if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in the supernatural, you will have to concede this. Only the power of God can bring someone back from the dead. Only God could do it. Death has always been mankind's invincible enemy. The doctors at the hospital, they cannot give you life. They can try to save your life. There is no way for us human beings to go back to living again from the dead. And the fact that Jesus is the only one who did it, Jesus is the only one who by himself rose again from the dead, is proof that he is exactly who he claimed to be. Because of the resurrection, we can discern truth from what is lie. 
The resurrection matters because there were lots of people speaking in the name of God in the past. Up until this point, throughout millennia, people have said, I came from God. God has told me to say this. I am led by God. I'm leading you in the name of God. And you can name so many prophets, so many kings, so many empires that have done some of the worst things in the name of God. But you know something? Because of the resurrection, we know that they are nothing but lies. Because only Jesus rose from the dead. Only Jesus was able to do it. No one else has ever given their lives for a lost world and then miraculously resurrected up from the dead. No other leader, no other prophet, no other preacher, no other philosopher was raised from the dead. Only Jesus. Only Jesus is alive. And he is the only one who holds the power because he himself is God. He is the only one that conquered death. So you have to choose who are you listening to. Are you listening to people? Are you listening to religions? Are you listening to influences that have no power over death? Or you want to listen to the one that is not on the grave anymore? Because he rose again and he's lifted high. Jesus himself predicted his death and resurrection. In Mark chapter 9, verse 31, Jesus told his disciples, The Son of Man himself is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he will rise from the dead. And Jesus did exactly that. The resurrection of Jesus is one of the most well-documented facts in history. In fact, many, many, many times throughout centuries, critics have tried to find holes in the resurrection story. Skeptics have tempted to prove it didn't happen. Persecutors have tried to silence those who are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. But they could not hide from the truth. As you and I, we cannot hide from the truth. In fact, one of the first people to oppose the resurrection was someone named Saul. And, even after, and he even went after those who were proclaiming the resurrection. He was making sure he was putting them in prison or even getting them killed. But even Saul couldn't hide from the truth. And later he became a follower of Jesus. This is what Paul says. And this, this is his word about in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 8. He said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, through some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. Historical evidence and the truth of scriptures continue to remind us, continue to remind the lost world that Jesus is indeed who he said he is. And only Jesus is Lord. Only Jesus is King. Only Jesus is God. Only Jesus is victorious because only Jesus is risen. 
And if this is a subject that interests you and you want to know more about it, I recommend you to start with this book. It's called The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus. It was written by two scholars, Gary Abermas and Michael Licona, and it gives you a really good foundation for you to think for yourself and decide for yourself, am I going to follow Jesus? Is Jesus really who he says he is? And after you read this book and after you decide for yourself, what are the facts of the resurrection? The power of the resurrection can convince you that Jesus is the Son of God, that God loves you, that He has a plan for your life, that He decided to rescue you from your sins and from death, and He wants you to live with Him forever and ever in heaven. Thirdly, the resurrection shows that Jesus is God's promised Savior. Now, before sending His Son, God made sure we would recognize who He is. It makes sense, right? Because anyone could have claimed, I'm the son of, uh, of son of God. I came in the name of God, like many have done in the past. And many, even now, many of the religions that people follow, those men, they claim that, that they, came, they come in the name of God. So if God was going to send someone, wouldn't he also give us the clues, the indication, so that we would recognize that this is it? This is the Son of God. So that we can discern and say, so everyone else cannot be the Son of God because this is. And you know how we can know that Jesus is the Son of God? Because before Jesus was born, there are over 351 prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Jesus Christ. There are 300, at least 351 descriptions of Jesus per letter that shows us that he is, in fact, the Son of God. So many aspects, and just to name a few, he spoke the word of God, he was born of a virgin, he was a teacher proclaiming good news, he had the power to forgive sins, he was a healer, he would be meek and lowly, he would be rejected by men, he would suffer, be despised and rejected, he would die hanged on a cross, he would bear the sins of mankind, none of his bones would be broken, bear the sins of mankind, and he would be risen. Jesus fulfilled every one of those descriptions. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul declares all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. No one could have done it in their own power. No one could have tried to follow to the letter exactly every single promise and try to complete them. But Jesus did. Because he was the son of God. And the God told us in the Old Testament that we were to expect His Son to come. That we would expect His Son to come and share words of love and peace and acceptance and forgiveness. That He would be rejected by mankind, but there was part of a plan. Of God's mighty plan for salvation for all of us. He died in our place, but He would rise again. So that we can live forever in the hope of the Son of God. And I have a list for you. You don't have to take my word for granted. I have a list with me of these 351. You can go match the Old Testament with the New Testament if you'd like. So talk to me and I'll send you the list and you can confirm for yourself. Jesus is who he said he is. The resurrection of Jesus proves that he is the Son of God. 
In fourth place, Jesus' resurrection reminds us that he is coming back. In John 14, it's, Jesus said, After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. I will not leave you all alone like orphans. I will come back to you. And this is such a mystery. No one knows the exact time, the exact date, the exact hour when Jesus is going to come back. But we know his word remains true. Jesus, if he accomplished every single promise, that he ever said in his word, then those that he hasn't fulfilled yet, we are sure that he will. Jesus is faithful to every promise. And he said, I am going to come back for you. And I don't know how you are feeling this morning. Maybe you're not in a relationship with Jesus. And all you feel right now is uncertainty, is fear. You don't know what's going to be of your life. You don't know how you're going to surpass these issues and your troubles. You don't know how to find contentment and joy in the circumstances that you're living. You don't know what's going to happen. Even if you die, you have no idea if the grave is the end or there will be something else for you. But Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he died and he rose again so that you would know if you trust in him, if you confess in faith that you want his life in your life, that you will live forevermore with God. That there is nothing in your life that can take away the power of the resurrection. Jesus is the power of God that can change your life and change your life today. Jesus will come back for us. Jesus will come back for you. And according to scriptures, we will live forever united with him. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more doubts. There will be no more confusion because we will live forever in the presence of God. You were created for a lot more than this. What you're feeling right now is not the end. God has more for you. God has more for me because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. My brother, my sister... I know that our lives and our minds are so finite. So many times we only think about today, about our problems, about our circumstances. We think about the now, when God is sharing with us the victory of Jesus Christ in the cross. There is nothing on this world that can separate you from the love that God has for you. The power of the resurrection needs to impact the way that we live. It needs to bring joy to our lives. It needs to renew our minds in God. It, need, it needs to make us live and fulfill the promises that God has in store for us. I want to invite the worship team to come as we conclude this morning. The very truth 
of the resurrection of Jesus constantly reminds us that no matter what we face today, no matter what has going on in your past, no matter the uncertainties in our tomorrows, Christ alone is our steadfast hope. He conquered death. He rose again victorious and he holds the power to make everything new in your life today and in my life. Jesus is risen. He is alive and he, he is with us right now. Today. Jesus is right here with us in this auditorium and he is right there where you are right now in your living room, in your bedroom, in the park where you are watching us from. Jesus is right there because he is alive and he is God. The resurrection is a reminder that you can try to bury power, but it will not stay there. You can try to bury truth, but truth will not be silenced. You can try to bury his love, but his love cannot be contained because Jesus is risen and he loves you. And his truth, his love, still has the power to change your life. My friend, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, to the only one that is capable of saving you, I advise you do it right now. Confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, you are my King. I want the power of the resurrection in my life today. My brother and my sister in Jesus Christ, we're not just surviving on this earth. We are living and thriving because we have a Savior that has conquered it all. He has conquered it all for you. You are not meant to live in defeat. You are meant to live in victory. And I don't mean that everything in your life will be spot on and, and just perfect. I mean in your heart. I mean in your mind. God has changed and renewed your mind so that you have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is a mind of victory. Is a mind that can focus on the most important things that Jesus has conquered for us on the cross. And may this Easter be a day that changes everything in your life. Maybe a day where you choose, deliberately choose, like Jesus chose the cross, where you choose to deposit all your faith and all your trust in what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Lord Jesus, we are in your presence this morning. And Lord, we ask, will you fill us fresh with the power of the resurrection? Will you fill us fresh with the power of your spirit that lives in us, that empowers us and changes our lives today? Lord, we pray, Father, that every heart and every mind that is listening to your word this morning, that will be changed by the power of the resurrection. Lord, we pray that in our hearts, we will have a song of joy, that we will have a song of victory, that we will proclaim the goodness and the kindness of our Lord and Savior, our Creator that came and made Himself a man, so He would come and die in our place in order to save us. Lord, thank You for Your love. 
A love that overwhelms us. A love that takes away all fear. A love that makes everything new in our hearts. Jesus, thank you so much that you will come back. Thank you that you will come back for us. It doesn't matter if you will come back right now or if we're going to die in, on this earth. You, we know that you will come back for us. And we will live eternity with you. We are grateful, Lord, for this promise. We live for this promise, Lord. And now we want to declare, Lord, we live for you. Help us to live for you. Help us to honor you every single day of our lives. We declare your majesty. We declare your kingship. We declare your sovereignty over us, over this city, over this earth. Receive all the honor and all the praise that only your name deserves. You are king. You are Lord forevermore. We pray all of this, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen and amen.